Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Jackson, do you hear them? The millions and millions who are so thrilled. We are back after Thursday and Friday vacationing in the Hamptons. I can only imagine. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people are waiting to talk to you about a team named Jackson State. I'm anxious to get your thoughts as well. And we uh, we have the Little Piddles weekend wrap-up. We have Jeremy Rutherford coming up. This thing is loaded for bear. It's called Balloon Party, and it's driven by Munganass, Burkhardt, Alton, Toyota. My name is Tim McKernan. That's Action Jackson. And we welcome you to participate in today's show by texting into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. And uh, you also can participate in the chat in the YouTube channel and talk it over with the likes of Tiny PP and uh, who else is in there today, Jackson? Do you know who's in there? Probably Droid FX. Yeah, Droid, Droid FX. Yeah. Tommy Summers. Tommy Summers is yeah. a big force in there. I like that Tommy Summers. He's a good guy. Usual suspects, but if you're looking to join up in the YouTube chat and talk it over, feel free. Yeah, it's uh, sponsored by the uh, wonderful people at Air Alliance Team, and it is on YouTube on the 101 ESPN channel. And uh, you get a chance to talk it over with the dude, Clayton Davis, and is it Eric Nickens? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, Eric Nickens is in there, and they're talking it over. Uh, all right, Jackson. Here we go. Before we go to this Little Piddles Angry Beaver Weekend wrap-up, how are you doing? I'm okay. Listen, you know. Did you have trouble sleeping? No, I had no trouble sleeping. I had accepted the fate as it happened. Uh, I, was in, I was in shock. Uh, I was ex- expecting 5 p.m. Sunday game coming off of that big win against Minnesota to just watch an easy game where they dominate. I can see some progress going on. And instead, I was treated to certainly the worst loss of the Dennis Gates era, one of the worst losses probably in program history, a quad four loss in November. And yeah. Jackson State 0-5. Jackson State was 0-5, uh, but even if they were 5-0, and they're a quad four team. They play in the SWAC. It's not what you want. You want to beat those teams by 20 or 30. They were punished last year to a certain extent for not beating these teams in a, in a more impactful way. And instead, you lose to that team. Like, listen, I think Missouri's going to have some cool wins this year. I think they're going to beat some teams that they are not as good as, and they're going to have some cool wins in the SEC. But it doesn't matter because if you have a quad four loss in November, you better win every other game outside of that because it is tough to come back from. But I still believe in Dennis Gates. I still think he's the right coach for Missouri. I think there's still plenty of momentum when it comes to recruiting-wise. So I'm not going to jump ship by any means, but it just sucks. It sucks. It sucks. Would you describe yourself as emotionally vulnerable for this program in which one or two listeners like to try to pick at us? I mean, obviously, I'm I'm not going to say no because that would be not truthful in this honesty and media. Yeah, I'm emotionally vulnerable, but I think I've done this long enough to understand, like, you got to have thick skin on days like this. Because if you want to be celebrated when they do well, you got to be able to take it when they do poorly. Rank the emotional impact of this loss compared to the football losses 
of Louisiana State University, and Brian Kelly convinced that Missouri scheduled that game for homecoming, and the loss between the hedges. Low 16 years, 16 days or years ago. <laughs> uh, so like with the LSU and Georgia losses, that's like a team, you know, where every loss, every win matters. So it's, it has way more significance in that sense. Plus, you know, you go beat Georgia. Now you control your own destiny for the SEC East and can go and play in Atlanta and maybe play for a college football playoff. So that one like hurts a lot because that this is like despondent is the best way because... Now the rest of the season's all going to be framed around this loss to Jackson State. You really think so? Really? Yeah, I mean, you lose like that in November. You know, you can go beat Illinois in the bragging rights game. You can go get some really cool wins in the SEC, but uh, that kind of loss, you're never, you're not going to shake this year. That's a sh- loss you can't shake. It's, so it's are you saying this thing is over? Is this no. like Missouri going into Laramie? No, it's not over by any means, but you have to go now win way more games than you would have if you had no quad four losses. You can lose. It's an albatross. You can lose to teams like Memphis. That happens. You know they're a good team. You can lose to teams like Minnesota. You win that game, great. But you cannot lose to these quad four teams. You can't. You just can't. All right, your thoughts, 314-399-9646. Air Comfort uh, Service text line, Air Alliance Studio Cameras, YouTube chat. It's hopping now. Wow, it's hopping. Chris Hutchinson's in there. He's going. Austin Bishop's in there. <laughs> Old Nikki Housen's in there. Hey, Nikki. Hey, uh, Nikki. Uh, so you can chat and talk it over in the YouTube chat. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeremy Rutherford, 1045, as the Blues get one last night. That was looking a little rough mm. on Thursday and Saturday, but they beat the Ducks last night. They've kind of owned the Ducks. Uh, and so they Get that win last night. Finish off the road trip against the Coyotes. Game you can catch right here on 101 ESPN and then head back to St. Louis for a Friday night game against the Nashville Predators. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Jackson Burkett, a despondent, self-acknowledged despondent Jackson Burkett for the Angry Beaver Little Piddles weekend wrap-up. But powering through. Yeah. We're professionals. Listen, you move on. You take a loss and you move on. Unlike Missouri football, though, who won a barn burner on uh, Saturday evening on national TV against Florida after a stress-inducing final drive capped off by a Harrison Mevis game winner. The narrative I am seeing around this game is this is a game that Mizzou would traditionally lose. Do you buy into that? Is this team more resilient than you can remember? Did that come from veteran veteran leadership or just having more talent than years prior? Wow, what a wonderful question, Jackson. Two things stood out to me about Saturday night for Missouri against Florida. Number one, and I really want to emphasize this because I'm a big macro guy. You've Mm -hmm. observed that. Yep. I told James Carlton, the great James Carlton, who sponsors the Gabe DeArmond segment on this program, and he asked, uh, you know, what the interest level last year was when Gabe Gabe would come on the show. And I go, I gotta be honest with you. Even the hate text stop hmm. for us when, when Gabe is on. Why? Why did I bring that up? Because it just showed there's a level of apathy towards Missouri football. And this year, what I am noticing is Missouri is getting the casual fan on board. And the casual fan is the part that Missouri has lacked for most of my lifetime, anyway, uh, with a handful of years of exceptions. But to have that kind of crowd on a night in which a lot of students would historically go back to their hometowns and sell it out and have the energy in the building uh, that they had, that was an SEC caliber football game uh, atmosphere. 
And so major tip of the cap to the fans. And it also shows what goes on when you can get casual fans going. It also helps when you have afternoon or night kickoffs. Secondarily, with regard to your question on, is this a game that Missouri historically loses? The answer to that is yes. I, uh, in the third quarter, was watching the game with my wife, and I said, I don't think they're going to win this game. Missouri was playing poorly. Florida was playing better. Florida certainly has talent, but they were also injured, and they still were doing that. And so when the 4th and 17 play came, I was just prepared for kind of similar to how I was watching David Freeze's final strike against Naftali Feliz in the 2011 World Series, Game 6, just like, this sucks, but I've got to watch it, and I shall accept the inevitable frustration that comes with the outcome. And then Freeze hits the ball over Nelson Cruz's head, and the rest is history. Uh, In this case, I don't even know if it was on my mind the possibility of them converting that. Right. So when it was converted, it was so surprising that it was a rush that it had even taken place, much less the two passes that followed that made it kind of a chip shot right. for Harris and Mevis. But great teams win games like that. And plenty of people go, see, well, Missouri just Missouri. But what did Georgia do when they were down 14-3 to against South Carolina or when they were tied with an Auburn team that just lost at home by a lot in Mexico State? Uh, how many times have we seen Washington fighting for its life this year? Uh, now, I'm not even talking about Saturday in Corvallis against Oregon State. I'm talking about against some butt-asses. Louisville, a team that's still in the mix, unlike Missouri, uh, with one loss. And they had to fight for their lives on Saturday against Miami and the previous Thursday against Virginia. Michigan, yeah. hail to the victors. Well, hail to the victors was very fortunate uh, that their punter was pinning Maryland back inside of like their half-yard line because Maryland was in a position to beat Michigan on Saturday. Rutgers had it close with Ohio State a few weeks ago. Um, and who else am I leaving out? Well, Florida State's had plenty of near misses, and now they've got a situation with with their quarterback. Point being, this is what championship teams do. And they had a bad game, but they were able to overcome it. It was uh, historically un-Missouri-like, but maybe there is a new chapter being written. Jackson, your thoughts? Yeah, man, that was totally like panic-inducing, but also super entertaining football game. And you have a moment where you got a minute and a half, one timeout left, and you got to go get yourself a field goal. Brady Cook takes that challenge head on, fourth and 17, hangs in the pocket, steps up, make a big throw to Luther Burden, then continue to make big throws to get that field goal shorter and shorter for Harrison Mevis. And then you execute on the field goal and win. I mean, like we've said now, this is a game that Missouri would traditionally lose. And instead, they make the effort and they come back. And even, you know, Florida, credit to them too, man, because they came in with a backup quarterback and looked like more dangerous offensively with their... Yeah, when he came in, they were more dangerous. With Max Brown, like that was very, very impressive on their end. But for Missouri, because you're not going to have your best stuff every week. You're not going to go out and play like you did against Tennessee every week. That's just not how sports work. But when you don't have your stuff but can still make huge plays down the stretch like Missouri did, I mean, that's and that's what two of their, you know, Tyron Hopper and Chad Bailey. Bailey's been out for a little bit, but Tyron Hopper's been out ever since like the second quarter of Tennessee. Tennessee yeah. To do that without those guys, man, 
It's impressive. Yeah, well, Florida was, obviously, you made reference to, with a backup quarterback and two uh, replacements on the offensive line, and their offensive line was already beat up. But you got to win games like that. They get that one, and similar to Middle Tennessee, that wound up launching them. That Mm -hmm. was a terrible game as well. They won both those games. A number of teams would love to have that kind of win where it can spur you on. If they play like that against Arkansas, they're going to lose to Arkansas. Arkansas went into the swamp and beat the team that took Missouri down to the final five seconds. So can't take Arkansas for granted. They'll know they'll have Sam Pittman back next year. They made that announcement yesterday in Fayetteville. I'm anxious to see how the team performs knowing that right. on Friday. I can't imagine it will be much of a crowd. Uh, again, relative to if Arkansas were a good team. Uh, and then you had uh, Missouri in the spot that they are in. So we'll watch that on Friday at 3 p.m. Meanwhile, we'll be watching the baseball signings this week because things are already happening. And it involved a uh, player that the Cardinals were thought anyway by a number of people to be in the mix for with regard to Aaron Nola. It's not happening. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Jeremy Rutherford at 1045. You're listening to Balloon Park. Party, driven by Munganas Burkhart, Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. How are you doing now, now that the first segment's in the books? Good to get past that. I really had to pee during that first segment. No, oh, you got a prostate problem? I just drank a lot of coffee and water today. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I certainly need to do that, but I took care of that in the break, and now I'm feeling good. Your thoughts on Jackson's prostate? Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. And they are really into it in the YouTube chat, and I like to see that. I wonder if they missed us on Thursday and Friday. I have to imagine, but it was, uh, you know, BK Ferrario stepped up and opening drive stepped up, so thank you to them. Daddy B. Cookin is now in the YouTube chat and says, first time here in the YouTube chat, been hearing good things. See a couple familiar names like Jeff and Nick, and it's good to finally see Tiny PP in action. Yeah, people come to watch him play now. Right. It's like Tiger mm-hmm. in, in the early 2000s. <laughs> Very similar. Very similar. Jackson, uh, Jeremy Rutherford is going to be with us at 945 if you live in Denver, 1045 St. Louis time. Right. 845 if you're out in LA and I know we have a big audience out there. I think Daddy B. Cookin lives in Santa Monica. And uh and and we also are going to have cardinal discussion because it's time for the second question of the Little Piddles Angry Beaver Weekend Wrap Up. What what? John Mosellock spoke over the weekend about Aaron Nola signing with the Phillies and his non-tender contracts. Based on some of the audio and the moves that he has made, where do you think his mindset is at as we head into such a pivotal offseason? Well, uh, I listened to his interview with Tom Ackerman on Sports on a Sunday Morning and uh, didn't sound like he was particularly surprised mm-hmm. by uh, what uh, happened with Nola going back to Philadelphia, which tells me the expectation was Nola just wanted to stay with the Phillies. And whereas the AAV may be lower than was projected for five years, seven years, excuse me, 172, uh, I think Nola, uh, you know, say he gets five years, 160. Uh, well, you got seven years, 172, and you get to stay in the place you wanted to be. And that gets into. Something that is incredibly obvious when I present it, but an important thing to continue to remember and then wonder about as this free agency process plays out. 
the Cardinals can make the biggest offer in the world, but if the player doesn't want to come here or wants to go somewhere else, it doesn't matter what the Cardinals offer. I will present to you John Carlos Stan, David Price, and Jason Hayward. All three could have come here. All three chose not to. I'm not saying Aaron Nola chose not to. I think Aaron Nola just wanted to stay with the Phillies. And so if you get into a spot with Blake Snell and he wants to be in one particular spot, well, what are the Cardinals going to do? Uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, where does he want to go? Doesn't matter what the Cardinals offer. So along those lines, um, one of the big three is gone. Two remain. And I personally... Me personally, I am happy the Cardinals did not give somebody who will be making 20 plus million dollars when he's 36, 37, and 38 uh, that contract. That's where I am personally. But I think I am in the minority relative to Cardinal fans. Maybe not balloon party listeners per se, uh, as far as a large percentage, but Cardinal fans as a whole, I think, expected going into this offseason either Nola or Snell. Right. That's what I think. The majority <laughs> did. And so now it's. Blake Snell, or you're going down to the Sunny Gray level, and it, I, you know, I, I have, I saw the uh, John Morosi reporting yesterday. The Braves were all over Sunny Gray now that they didn't get Nola. So that's the thing. It's not like it's the Cardinals and one other team. It's the Cardinals and a bunch of teams that want this starting pitching. So I am looking at and I'm going, man. I just, I, I just, I feel it's a lock over the next three weeks. Either the Cardinals are not going to get one of these guys or the Cardinals are going to and going to overpay ridiculously and hurt themselves. Personally, I I hope it's that they don't get one of these guys, unless it's Yamamoto. I'd be excited about that at 25 years old. Um, But the the fan base is going to be furious. That's what I think is going to happen. Not everybody. Some people kind of acknowledge the same thing that I think, which is, it's just going to be too tough to rebuild a pitching staff in this market at this time um, and do so responsibly. But I think the majority of fans are presenting this as a challenge to ownership. Are you going to show that you really want to win and you're willing to spend money? Right. And uh, they can offer whatever they want to offer. But if players are going, yeah, I mean, I want to win. I'm in my 30s now. So Cardinals have... A long way to go. I'm just one pitcher, and they still need more, and I want to maximize my return, and the Cardinals still going to need to go out and spend more money in order to solidify the rotation, plus Paul Goldschmidt's up after next year, and even if he wants to stick around, he's 36 years old. So I just think the Cardinals are in one hell of a tough spot, and I will continue to say that in a way, as weird as it sounds, I'm like, oh, dodged a bullet, didn't sign Aaron Nola. (sighs) That's how I feel. How do you feel, Jackson? So for me, I know it like lessens the impact of not getting someone like Nola because he's staying in Philly. You know, clearly a guy who enjoyed his time there and has put pen to paper on that because he signed another contract with the Phillies. So to me, that's like, all right, he stayed with the Phillies. Now, I think a lot of this hunger for pitching, especially top-tier pitching, will be even more passionate from the Cardinal fan base if the Cubs go out and get Blake Snell, Yamamoto, or even Otani. Otani is obviously what the uh, headlines read on Friday. So if that is the case, and you're right about that, the Cubs step it up, and now the NL Central has become more daunting. I think fans are going to go crazy if the Cardinals don't pony up and spend for pitching, even if that spending is not necessarily wise in terms of the long term future of the 
of the of the franchise because if they don't compete this year after saying they're going to compete and they also see the Cubs not only getting Craig You're Council right. but stepping up their spending and possibly even getting Otani, I think we could be seeing a yeah, real weird situation. I here. don't think the Cubs went out and spent that kind of money on Council to sit around in the offseason. Yeah, definitely. So you're right about that. That that would intensify the anger yeah. that is really, I mean, if there's no Snell, if there's no Yamamoto, and I don't think many fans are expecting Yamamoto, but if there's no Snell, there's no Yamamoto, and even though, you know, I wouldn't mind it in the sense that you, you, you're not going to be committing to him for seven years. Sonny Gray doesn't necessarily excite me, but nothing is going to for if they're going to try to be back in the mix in 2024 outside of Yamamoto and trades or in the short term one or two year deal for a pitcher like a Waka, for example, uh, that 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 the Cardinal fan base is going to be pissed big time. You get Snell and then they'll be pissed at me because it's probably going to be like a six year, you know, $180 million kind of deal. Right. And I'm going to be like, oh, God, this is going to be something, you know, boy, Snell and Contreras on the books in the back end of their careers. Have fun with that. Um, so I'll be the bad guy then. So there, there's, there's what we got. There's my prediction. Add it to Predictionary. Sure. Thank All right. you. All right. Also, the Reds have a really good young core. And if I they can agree bolster with I was that, thinking that as you were talking about the Cubs. Because then can, you could add the, uh, yeah. the, the the Pirates continue to Vanderbilt their existence. They sure do. But... Uh, the Brewers are trending down, whereas the Reds are the one trending up. And, oh, here come the Chicago Cubs. Right. Yeah, because the Reds, with their young core, if they can bolster that with good pitching. Yeah, they need to spend some money on pitching themselves. But so do the Yankees. So do the Red Sox. Dodgers. Braves. Reds. Yeah, I mean, literally everybody you can think of. That's what I'm saying. Like, if they lose out on some of these deals to, like, the Yankees or Dodgers or Mets— I think fans will be, but if it's like losing out to the Reds, losing out to the Braves, even though I know that the Braves are a different category than they used to be, but still, that's how fans view them. And certainly the Cubs, that's going to intensify big time in St. Louis. Well, this is interesting. Tiny PP kind of trying to market the team to the free agents. He says, wait till I take Snell and Yamamoto to see the Polar Express. Yeah, that is scenic. Yeah, um, yeah certainly. I didn't know the tiny PP was involved in that, but yeah, if he can get Snell and Yamamoto to ride the Polar Express and see Santa uh, waving to the children atop an abandoned building just north of the landing, I would imagine that increases the Cardinals' chances. I don't think it locks it up. I think it would behoove Cardinal front, ma- nice. front office to really lean into the St. Louis Yuletide atmosphere when you're trying to attract these free agents. I like that Yuletide atmosphere. Jackson, do you have a third question on this Angry Beaver Little Piddles weekend wrap-up? Matter of fact, I do, Tim. Yes. Just as soon as the Blues make a a little headway, they take a small step back after being outscored 10-2 combined against the Sharks and the Kings, but they follow that up with a win over the Ducks. Did the way the team bounced back against Anaheim prove that the leadership from both Baruby and the players is strong even during this kind of different season, for lack of a better term? And is the faith in Jake Neighbors exciting to see for a young player? And have you seen improvement in the power play? Uh, I respect all your questions, and I think they're wonderful questions, but I want to make sure I say this at the outset. How many games this year of the... How many of the Blues played at this point? 18, 19, Nurse, something in that range? I think 18 is enough. Um... Would you say the Blues were just kind of, eh, fine. In other words, you either get yeah. 
what went on for the most of that homestand where you accurately projected that they would pick up uh, more than five points, I think, in, uh-huh. in four games. And I made fun of you. And I still am going to not apologize because that's the way that I right, I right, work. I right. think uh, you Controversial need, host. Absolutely. Uh, and then on the other side of it, you have, you know, that one home game, not the second one, but the first home game against the Coyotes where you're like, oh, my God, that first period in Vancouver, that was like uh, that can you see a worst first period from a, an NHL team? Uh, the two in San Jose Sharks putting on the clinic they put it on Thursday. The first period against the Kings on Saturday. And then on the other side of it, there have been games where you go, oh my God, look what this team's capable of. But there really aren't a lot of middle-of-the-road games. Yeah. Um, so I, this, I guess the 2023-2024 Blues are consistency, and, and their consistency is their inconsistency? Wow. Think about that. Now, so, eat some of that. these mushrooms and think about it. Yeah, boy, it feels it's like I already have. Sense. Yeah, it feels like I already have. But I it's, hear what you're saying. It's just, you know, it's it's a team that you can't say in mid-late November they had to have it. But God, I was going, if they go out and lose like 5-1 to one to the Ducks, and they've been outscored about 15-3 to three through the first three games of this road trip, a road trip that when you saw it after the great homestand, you're going, oh, they might be able to... They lick your chops. Yes. So because it was the final game of the three, you go into the game against the Coyotes going, okay, let's see if you, know, you can split the road trip and you're none for the worse. Hey, you didn't pick up any points. Whether you lost 10 to nothing or 2 to 1 or 5 to 1, same deal with the point total. Uh, and then come back to St. Louis and take on the Predators on Friday night. So it is. it just shows how uh, this team has the uh, super-wide delta with regard to performance. I, so who are they? <laughs> they're Good a team question. that either yeah. can, they can win and beat the hell out of the Avalanche, or they're a team that can get skull-pounded by the San Jose Sharks. That's a wide delta, Jack. Boy, wide yeah. delta. Jeremy Rutherford will give us his thoughts coming up at 1045. We continue with the Little Piddles Angry Beaver Weekend. Wrap up. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, Burkhardt, Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to the balloon party. My name is Tim McKernan. That's Action Jackson back after two days vacation in the Hamptons. We went uh, together. My wife uh, gave her blessing and uh, we got a one room suite uh, and really enjoyed ourselves, if you don't mind. And it was a sports talk radio camp. It was, yeah. And it's always done in Southampton in mid-November. That's correct. That's where the real, real wealthy people go. The old money. The old, right. We're always old money. The That's South right. City guy, I'm old money. Uh, no, I was scheduled to be off, Jackson, anyway. Uh-huh. And then I got ill. Yeah. So that's kind of a bad beat. But you're off. Oh, yeah. But you're ill. But I uh, was working on the launch of Sound Story, which we have now uh, expanded today. Today, we have expanded Sound Story, which I started here in St. Louis. And uh, you may have heard Randy Carricker talking about it. You'll hear about it on the Fast Lane with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter as well. Um, but we are now in Seattle, Minneapolis, Cincinnati, and West Palm. So that's why I took off to work on that. And then I got sick. 
Brutal. But you know what? You know what we do? We grind through it, mm-hmm. and we focus on the task at hand. And uh, the task at hand is this. Jeremy Rutherford coming up in a matter of eight minutes, and the Little Piddles Angry Beaver Weekend Wrap-Up. Question number four. Mizzou hoops. Brutal, just brutal. This is just a chance for you to self-reflect. I'm well, going to look at Instagram. That's cool. After a statement win at the barn in Minnesota, coming mm. back from a 20-point deficit that you that you would have Working thought would be again. the catalyst, and then three two-note games in between their next big opponent. Unfortunately, 0-5 Jackson State came into town on a Sunday night and beat Missouri. I am despondent as nothing is worse than a quad-four loss in November. However, does a loss like this tr- uh, truly test Dennis Gates and how he will handle the rest of the season with rec- recruiting having so much momentum? How will he pull fans back into his good graces with such a brutal loss early in the year? As such a young guy, how did you know that much about Craig Paquette on your St. Louis Starter Packs account? Because I knew he played for the Cardinals, but the fun fact that you have this morning of Craig and his wife Jessica owned the Crush Boutique in Chesterfield Valley on your St. Louis Starter Packs account, I didn't know that. I mean, he was he was here in 1999. You were a you were a wee lad, right? Well, not only since St. Louis Starter Packs has seen such great uh, engagement, right? We've actually expanded, and we have a research desk. Oh my God, you have yeah. a research. Yeah, we have a research desk. So I, you know, my best talent is delegating to others. It is. You are a delegator. I, I can recognize what my strengths and my weaknesses are. And so something like that, you know, being young. You're and more CEO. That. Right, right. I can delegate. I can I can straight up delegate. I can. Uh, well, that account's wonderful. Congratulations on what you've built with St. Louis Starter Packs. With regard to Missouri basketball, I'll yield my time to the gentleman from Horton Watkins. I'll keep this extremely brief because I have one no, more question fine. for you. No, no, people don't give a damn. Um, my gosh. Listen, this team doesn't... People care about you and they know you're upset. Yeah, well... Would you, let me ask you this. Let me see where you are. Would you trade the win against Florida in football Saturday night for a win against Jackson State on Sunday? No. Okay. I just no. wanted to make sure that... I can recognize priorities. Okay. This team, I'll just keep it very brief. It's okay. I'll go, it's fine. I'll go this is your, seconds. No, no, no. This is your time. No, I'll go 30 seconds here. Uh, this team doesn't have the guy to go get them a bucket. When Mizzou basketball's been good, they've had guys who can just lighten shot clock or when they don't have a good set running, can just get them a bucket. It was Cassius Robertson and Jordan Geist. It's been... Xavier Pinson or Drew Smith, and it's been last year, Des Moines Hodge or DeAndre Golston or Kobe. They don't have that this year. None of the guys on this team are built to be a leading scorer. They're all meant to be really good support players. They don't have that guy this year, and that was super evident against Jackson State when they couldn't buy buckets at certain times of the game. It just can't happen. You can't have losses like that. We'll move on. 35 seconds. That wasn't bad. Thank you. Tonight might be the most anticipated regular season game of the NFL this year with a rematch of the Super Bowl and a matchup featuring the two brothers, the Kelsey brothers, who have captured not just the sports mainstream, but culture in general. Are you glad that a game like this is a standalone Monday night football game? And where are you putting your action with the number of two and a half favoring the home team chiefs? Uh, my, what do we call this? Honesty in media or full transparency in media? Both will do. Thank you. My interest in the NFL this year is so much lower than it has been in recent years. This isn't like some stand against Roger Goodell and the NFL because of the Rams thing. It's just, for whatever reason, I guess maybe it's because it's the first time since the Rams have left that Missouri was really in the mix up until losing to Georgia for the national championship and still you know, playing exciting football against Tennessee and Florida. Uh, so I'm just so engrossed by college football that I'm not paying that much attention to the NFL. 
honestly, I'm also not building out daily fantasy rosters like a madman, which certainly kept me locked in, not necessarily caring about teams, but caring about players. So for full transparency, six. Then, uh, as I said, I was going to look at Instagram while you therapeutically discuss Missouri basketball again. And I see there's an article, a long form article. I only do this to try to impress people. I don't even know what the Wall Street Journal is. Right, right. But I follow the Wall Street Journal on Instagram, kind of hoping to see something from Ella Reese, but it's probably too early for her. And the Wall Street Journal has written a long-form piece on Travis Kelsey. And I go, my goodness, Mm -hmm. look what has gone on with Travis Kelsey and the Kansas City Chiefs to the point that the Wall Street Street Journal is writing a long-form story on Travis Kelsey. So yeah, this is I'm sure for Joe Buck and, and Troy Aikman that this is this is the game on the schedule. And I'm sure for people around the country, it's a rematch of the Super Bowl. It's Kelsey versus Kelsey. The hashtag controversy with hashtag people taking to Twitter to discuss Travis Kelsey appearing on the Eagles Christmas album. Mm-hmm. Big topic. We'll get to that with Jeremy Rutherford momentarily. Um, yeah, this is this is a potential Super Bowl rematch slash preview. But keep an eye on Dan Campbell and the eight and two Detroit Lions coming back yesterday to beat a very dangerous Chicago Bears team. The Bears were the darling in terms of uh, the sharps on the money. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. It was the Panthers. I am. Let me tell you something. I hope you made money this week. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about do you call it the Royal U? Yeah, sure. If you made money this weekend, though, gambling on football, odds are you don't make money most weekends. This was Square's delight. Yep. This was Square's delight. Yeah. Yeah. The Bears were like the one sharp team, and they almost didn't cover, but the, luckily the Bears offensive lineman kicked the ball out of the end zone. <laughs> so they only get a safety, not a touchdown, because that would have ruined plus oh, seven and a half. No, Scott Van Pelt, bad beat. Uh, so, yes, it was a square festival this weekend. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford will talk it over with us on the other side of the break. JR next here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganas Burkhardt, Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. News, notes, and nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues Insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Welcome back to Balloon Party, driven by Munganass Burkhardt, Alton Toyota, Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you, and it is our pleasure to welcome to the program for his Monday tradition, unlike any other, the great Jeremy Rutherford. Morning, Jar. Yes, yes. What's up? What's yes. up? Yes. Yes! Jackson's not doing well today. I don't know if you have any words of wisdom for him. Jackson, it'll be okay. Somebody has to lose to those uh, quad four teams. Mizzou's also 0-2 against other teams with the name Tigers. Oh, that's right. A little fun fact, if you want to include that in your athletic uh, news and notes. Yeah. (laughs) I did not. I did not. We uh, stayed away from the Tigers. I didn't want to be too hard on uh, Jackson. Yeah, Jackson's having a tough day. Therefore, I'm going to handle the hockey conversation today. Jackson will handle it. Just real quick, the Ducks got a lot of work to do when it comes to the whole sweater logo thing. Uh Uh-oh, it's a uniform take. Red alert, uniform take. Ducks are in bad shape. I'm just impressed to watch the game and know what the uniforms look like. (laughs) I can see pictures. (laughs) 
<laughs> he looked at still pictures. Uh, JR, I mean, I, you know, maybe it's overstating it. I remember last year after Doug Armstrong's big speech that the uh, Thursday night game, I think it was in the first week of November, took on an incredible amount of importance against the Islanders. And I'm thinking to myself, who would have thought a Thursday night game in week one or the first week of November would matter this much to a team? But alas, that one did. They wound up losing it, by the way. Uh, in this case, you know, it all happened Thursday night in San Jose and then Saturday against the Kings, but I'm thinking to myself, a lot of the equity this team built up with the fan base, perhaps with themselves, with this system, if it goes down like four or five to one against the Ducks last night, uh, that just gets blown up, at least in my mind. So I felt like last night was a really important game. And fortunately, from the Blues standpoint, they were able to take care of business. I'm right there with you, Tim. I really thought the same thing, even going into the game. I felt like, uh, okay, you lose to San Jose, and I was kind of surprised by some of the, the fan uh, take after that game because I thought it was a, just a lackluster loss, didn't show up, you know, get behind to a team like that by a lopsided margin like that. It's like, what are you guys doing here? I mean, you just played well five or six games. But, you know, a lot of the fans on my Twitter said uh, just one game, you know, would get past it. So I don't know if that's fans adopting wow. the re- retool mindset or or i just got the good uh, crop of fans there on twitter but um so i felt like uh, then you lose to la and nothing wrong with losing to la they're a great team you know fifth in the league standings right now uh but i think to get blitzed in the first period yeah. uh, to have it fall apart early just like it did the other day that you had to go into last night's game and, and take care of business and win that game because if you go 0-3 on this road trip now you get your first uh, three-game losing streak chance to lose to Arizona on Wednesday, a team that's had your number. Uh, I think this was a big uh, turning point to win yesterday. Uh, With regard to Perunovic and seeing him get opportunity and performance as well um, and the Blues power play, what did you think of of what we've seen there? And do you think that's going to be something we're going to see more of going forward? Yeah, I think so. You know, obviously the power play has been the headline all season long now, what, four for 52. And last night they get that double minor you're, you're up one nothing. It's a game you got to score. You got to take a, a multi goal lead on that team and, and kind of put them away. And and uh, they didn't. And they only they got four shots on the four minute double minor. And I felt like uh, then they go back on the power play. And I felt like uh, Perinovich, they put him up on that top unit. They tried that five or six games ago. It didn't necessarily work. Krug went back up top. But last night they made the switch again. And Perinovich went back up top and he made the play. Tim is on the board there. Uh, moves the puck over, and, and they eventually set up the goal by uh, Buchnevich and get that uh, power play goal. So I've liked him up there. I think his 5-on-5 five five defense is going to continue to improve, and I think you'll continue to see him in the lineup. I, uh, I was making this observation earlier in the show, and I'm curious what your assessment would be with the team having played, uh, is it 18 games? Is that right, Jackson? We said 18 games? I think that's right. 18 games. So, you know, approaching a quarter of the way through the season. I don't feel like the Blues have had a lot of games where you go, eh, you know, not bad. Or, ah, that was fine. It was, it's either they have really, really good performances or really, really bad. And certainly you can find exceptions to that. But I, I that, that's how I've, I've walked out of that building multiple times this year, the Enterprise Center feeling that way or watching games. And I don't know, I don't know what that speaks to. I don't know if it speaks to a talent discrepancy or how the team kind of lives on the razor's edge with their system and also a lack of, of depth that can allow them to hang with teams if they're not on. But 
you know, I feel like for about 14 of the 18 games, if I'm arbitrarily assigning grades, it's either been like a high B or A or a low D or F. And maybe that's just who they are. I don't know. What, what is your assessment? No, the numbers are supporting what you're saying there. You look at last night, uh, they get that first goal. And by the way, you know, it could have gone the other way because the Ducks get, did uh, score that first one and then it was uh, pulled back because of the yeah. offside. Who knows which direction that yeah. game goes. Yeah. Blues show some heart and get back in there. But nonetheless, the Blues do get that first goal. And then Tim coming away with that win, they're now 8 0 when they score the first goal and they're oh seven and one when they give up the game's first goal. So that's kind of what it's been like. What you're saying is I think you score first, you get another one, maybe you get some confidence and they've been able to steer those games uh, correctly. And we have not seen a blues team that's been able to come back when they fall behind. And uh, I think Chris Kerber, Alex Ferrario, they've had the stat. There's been no lead changes in any blues game this year. Once they got out, they stayed in front. They won. If they're behind, they can't catch up, and that's going to have to to change. I mean, obviously, you want to hang on to your leads there, but if this team's going to have a chance at the playoffs, uh, this is a team that's going to have to come back in some games because you just can't uh, get that first goal every time. And I think that was part of Craig Bruby's message the other night after the loss in L.A. is, hey, listen, we're going to get down. We need a better response from the leadership group to lead the way, um, and you're going to have to have some of those come from behind wins. As far as the uh, net-minding assessment, a rough one on Thursday for Joel Hofer, and uh, and then uh, over the weekend, uh, certainly a discrepancy in, in the way things went for the Blues in L.A and then uh, heading down to Anaheim last night. Uh, how would you handicap where things are with the Blues net-minding tandem? Yeah, I think pretty good shape. I think uh, Jordan Bennington, to me, has been good all year. Uh, yeah, L.A. got to him and the Blues on uh, Saturday night, but uh, still big picture, he's been good. And I think Hofer, we kind of expected that there'd be a little bit inconsistency. I wouldn't pin San Jose on him. You know, there were some breakdowns there, and, and then he gets chased from the game, and Biddington has to come in. You know, just the way the schedule's set up, you have Holfer come back last night and perfect situation. You know, the, the Ducks, they had gone 8-2 and two in a 10-game stretch recently, but, you know, hadn't been scoring a lot. But I thought Holfer had to make a lot of point-blake saves, big saves, uh, kept the Blues in the game when it was still one nothing, 2 nothing, uh, and played really well. So, to me, that's a good sign. The one thing with Holfer is you look at the goals against this year and his starts, it's been like 6-1-3-0-4, Zero four, you know, so it's kind of been up and down. But I mean, I don't know what you expect from a guy who's going through this for the first time. But uh, look, really good last night. There it is, Jeremy Rutherford talking it over with us here every Monday on Balloon Party, and uh, Jackson just not uh, going to be able to pepper you with with questions this week uh, because of the Jackson State loss. But did have a nice observation on the uh, the duck sweaters. Yeah. Terrible. So are the Kings, for that matter. Oh, you're down on the Kings, really? The Kings, you know. I mean, that's that logo is so bad. Wow. Okay. Who's whose sweater do you enjoy? The entire West Coast needs a lot of work. Wow. Uh, the Kraken do it the best, but outside of that, oh, that's the tradition. Phew, the Coyotes are pitiful. What about VGK? Do you count them as West Coast? Yeah, pitiful. Wow. This guy's this guy's got scalding hot takes this morning, Jr. Yeah, no, Jackson, I'm getting on a plane here shortly to head to uh, AZ, so I'll be sure to pick up a Coyote sweater for you. Oh, yeah, those are beautiful. Leave those at that little (laughs) college arena they play in. Wow! (laughs) They're going to be playing this clip on Phoenix Sports Talk Radio today. (laughs) Good. I hope they have me on. (laughs) Hey, I hope you guys enjoy National Sports Writer Holiday on Thursday. Yes! Just gluttony and fat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then uh, the world is our press box. (laughs) 
They moved that uh, game to uh, 2 p.m. Uh, Friday at uh, Enterprise against Nashville, so probably still be in a coma at that point. Getting ready for that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, Nashville on uh, Friday afternoon Enterprise Center. JR will be in a food coma still 24 hours later. Heading to Arizona for the fun and games and getting Jackson a coyote sweater. That'll be a nice little holiday gift for you, Jackson. Make it Clayton Keller if you're going to do it, JR. Oh, nice. I like Clayton Keller. <laughs> I can't believe you know he's on the team. <laughs> JR, thank you so much. See you guys. There he is. Yeah, look at you. You just keep spiking on people here. Well, I've said this before, but my father was Clayton Keller's principal in middle school. Oh, you didn't have to include that. So uh, there's some that's a key piece of information right there. You still floored Jamie Rivers with the McDavid dry sidle. I mean, still he, come, he texted me. He just was stunned right when that yeah, happened. Yeah. I had so much equity. I'm still riding the high of that, <laughs> even though, yeah. Even though they... Much. They're on the power play with Petrangelo and Edmonton. Well, you know, you got got to take a look at Edmonton, man. What does that mean? I don't know. They play up there way up north. <laughs> Jackson's going to go review Jackson State film. We're going to shut it down because BK and Ferrario are up next. For Jackson Burkett, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, Burkhardt, Alton, Toyota, here on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.